bandwidth for changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. I'm Dave Gandy, and you're listening to The Changelog. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Changelog, and I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This is episode 226, and today I went solo talking to Dave Gandy, the creator of Fawn Awesome. You've seen it. You know it. You love it. It's awesome. <laughs> but Fawn Awesome 5 is here, kind of. It's on Kickstarter right now, just over $500,000 in backing. But I talked to Dave about his beginnings, where Fawn Awesome started, where it's going, where it's been. We have three sponsors today, Code School, Linode, and Rollbar. Our first sponsor of the show is our friends at Code School. And if you want to learn something new, a proven method is to learn by doing. And that's exactly the way Code School works. You learn to program by doing with hands on courses. Code School's courses are organized into paths based on technologies like HTML and CSS, JavaScript, hot topics like React and Angular, Ruby, Python, .NET ios git databases and even electives that take you off the beaten path let's see you want to learn react you can start level one of code school's react course which begins with a quick video lesson on react components after the video you get hands-on practice building with components using in-browser coding challenges there's no hassle no setup just learning and the best part is when you use our special url codeschool.com changelog you save an extra ten dollars per month Instead of paying 29 bucks, you pay $19 because you're a listener of this show. Again, use our special URL, codeschool.com slash changelog. Don't Google it. That's the only way to get our special deal. Once again, codeschool.com slash changelog. And now onto the show. All right, we're here with Dave Gandy. Dave is the creator of Fawn Awesome, and uh, I'm riding solo on this show, so Jared is not here today, but uh, Dave, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, how's it going? So, Font Awesome. I mean, you got awesome in the name. How awesome is that? Yeah, it's, uh, that, was a, that was a very fun part of the, uh, the naming process is how the name turned out, that's for sure. So, I mean, this is not a new project. This is, and I have to apologize, too, because the change law has been around for a while. We've wanted to cover font awesome at least a couple times and it's just never made it past the the us getting in contact with you uh mile marker but you're now getting ready to uh version from i think 4.6 to 5 you got a kickstarter out there you got a lot of fun stuff happening but this isn't a new project so how far back does this go yeah this traces back uh about four and a half years now um to a startup i was working at ages ago uh, still with my co-founder, Travis Chase. And I was working on our company's website and I was griping and complaining about how bad icons were and how hard they were to use. Uh, you'd have to bring them into Photoshop. You'd have to uh, individually color them. Then you, maybe you got to deal with some PNG sprite maps or it was, it was just kind of a mess. Oh, yes. And, um, and there, were some other, there were some other folks that were doing some really interesting things, I thought, with icons as fonts. Uh, but they had some problems around accessibility. Um, so started started digging around it, you know, con- continued to gripe and complain. And Travis, in his usual fashion, told me to shut up and solve the problem myself. Mm. Um, and so that's where Fawn Awesome came out of. Wow. I mean, nothing better than a project like this with the years. I mean, I know so many people and so many websites that use Fawn Awesome. So, I mean, 
that's in and of itself, uh, you know, a tribute back to what you've done here. But the best thing is, is when you scratch your own itch, you scratch this problem that's like, this is really bugging me. How do I solve this problem? So your co-founder slash buddy Travis is, is who kind of pushed you to do. Is that right? Yeah. So Travis and I, it's kind of funny how the world works out sometimes. Um, Travis and I actually are childhood best friends of 25 plus years. Wow. Um, so we go way, way, way back. Um, he, uh, we both are from a little tiny town called Carl Junction, Missouri. Uh, big shout out to everybody there who's probably listening to this. Like a thousand people, maybe <laughs> two thousand people in the town. Four thousand one hundred and twenty-three, or so the sign said outside of uh, outside of my house where I grew up. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. But um, we grew up together. Uh, I went off to school uh, up in Boston at MIT and spent a lot of time around the startup community. Uh, there, Travis stuck around Carl Junction, married his high school sweetheart, um, and about, goodness, it's probably six or seven years ago now, um, I figured out that Travis had quietly become the best software developer I knew on earth. What? <laughs> yeah, it's really, really funny how that works out. How do you do that on you? He, he, he didn't tell you? He didn't say like, hey, I'm trying this or I'm doing this? No, I mean, I mean, I knew that he was a developer. I just didn't know he was that good. Um, and and so once I figured that out, uh, we've basically been working together professionally ever since. Wow. And so take us back to, I mean, one thing we like to do on this show is, is kind of get a history. I mean, one thing, the history, you know, with this show might be the Fallen Awesome history. Uh, but the other history might be, to some degree, what you just shared there is your history. So you mentioned that you and Travis were childhood best friends. He secretly became this awesome software developer. Um, but what's, what's your history? What goes back? You said be in the pre-show that I don't know if I should say this for you, but you can say it for yourself, but you're more designer than developer. Yeah, it's definitely true. I think, I think in general, um, well, you know, I'm not really either one. Truthfully, I kind of sit in this weird half world. I think, uh, most real designers, uh, think I'm a developer and most real developers tend to think I'm a designer. So see, we always are so self-deprecating as people, you know, I mean, <laughs> Right. I mean, it's my wife calls it negative self-talk and I do it to myself all the time. And, you know, we haven't done it yet, but we have this um, this set of sub taglines that kind of define who we are here at Changelog. And and uh, one of them is not an imposter. And I think you're not an imposter. I think you're exactly who you are. I think you're both designer and developer and you can claim both roles. Well, you know, I, I think I think the truth is for me where it really goes back to. Um, is sort of a is a general outlook on life. Um, icon fonts, the natural restrictions inherent in that medium. I'm not an illustrator by any means, but the natural restrictions of designing at a very small size and trying to make it readable was playing to my strengths. Um, you know, not like I said, not an illustrator, but I can handle that particular set of constraints really well. And the truth is, Font Awesome actually came out of a personal journey of mine. Um, in trying to figure out uh, after college this sort of whole this whole world of who I actually was, mm. and I think a big part of that is that we in the world spend a lot of time worrying about our weaknesses, things that we're bad at. That's true. And the truth is, I think we get a lot more traction in general in life, and a lot more satisfaction out of worrying about our strengths instead, playing to our strengths. And so there was a point at which I realized that the worlds I really love to live in, I really love to live in these intersections of art and technology, the left brain, right brain, uh, where both are required. And so Fun Awesome just sort of naturally came out of that particular, um, I guess, really adjustment in my own personal philosophy on life. I think that everyone is a unique and diverse set of strengths. 
And if we will play to those strengths of ours, um, that I think there's so much that gets unlocked by us when that happens. So take us back. You said you were in college. Um, what's your story there? When did you become or not become a designer or become or not become a developer? What was the, the thing that, that sort of pulled you into it, into this intersection, as you mentioned? Yeah. So for undergrad at MIT, I studied mechanical engineering and I really always gravitated towards product design specifically. Um, I found out the place where I really excelled there was in sort of the common sense, robust approach to engineering. Um, and design is really a lot of that. Design is really thinking about the natural restrictions in the medium and the, the people that you're designing for the situation and trying to really think on behalf of those individuals um, how to best tackle the problem in the simplest, most robust way possible. Um, and, and really at the time, all of my jobs happen, happened to be in software, um, but I've always had a passion for, for arts and design. Um, and it really, really came in a uh, move out to Los Angeles. I spent a couple of years in Los Angeles um, and being around the arts and such creative people really brought that side of things back to life. Um, and so always very passionate about, you know, technology and art, but it was really that we, that reawakening um, that sort of uh, is where real emphasis on product design specifically came from. So all of my jobs were in computers at the time. Um, and it just sort of gravitated that direction. Uh, instead of physical product design, started focusing on digital product design. And there were so many parallels. And at the time, the industry was was well far behind um, physical product design. Physical products, there was a very good process established for user-centric design. And it wasn't really until Apple came out with the iPhone that that became really an industry-wide sort of a thing, where people really saw in software how much design and the interface really mattered. It seemed like the iPhone really did wake up a lot of people that user experience matters. And, and I know it seems so simple to say it's just a phone or whatever, but they really, that kind of company really helped shape and, and change people's minds towards what a good product actually is. Yeah, it really did. And for me personally, um, my, my sort of career trajectory shifted from feeling like I was talking to a brick wall uh, at software companies when I was talking about design. Because they're like, what is that? Why, yeah, why yeah exactly. Exactly. What's the priority there? Look, we've got this machine that prints cash. I don't know why need to, we need to worry about that. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's get closer to the beginnings of Fawn Awesome. You mentioned that it was scratching your own itch. You've spent some years. I mean, I'm, I'm actually surprised. I don't, I don't know your history, so that's why I'm surprised. Not so much that you're not worthy of this, but that you have a background uh, at MIT studying in mechanical engineering. I, what, what brought you into that field? Like, what made you think that, uh, that that's where, I guess, what got you to MIT? You must be pretty, pretty smart. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, th I think people tend to think that until they get to MIT, and then everybody thinks they're below average once they get there. Right. But. They're like, uh, I'm actually not that smart. I'm trying to be really smart. And this is a place where you get smart. Yeah. And, and, the, and the one thing that's really true is that MIT is good for nothing if being good for your ego. Um, that is a really, really good place to figure out uh, and figure out a little bit of who you personally are in your own identity. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's 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 a big kind of there's, there's a big path actually even taken through my time at MIT. But um, I, I think originally for me, I mean, gosh, I grew up playing with Legos when I was five years old. My parents got me the original Lego castle. Um, I just always liked making things, always liked building things. And so when it came time to um, to go to college, uh, it was really just about, you know, where can I where can I keep doing that? Where can I learn from people that know how to do this? Where can I 
build. And I'm the kind of guy that's always been, I've never really enjoyed learning for its own sake. I've always really enjoyed learning for doing sake. Mm. Um, and truth is when I was in fifth grade, uh, I saw a PBS special about these kids at MIT building these robots. Uh, and they had these, this contest to see who could get the most ping pong balls. And that was really the time in which I was just fascinated by that. But it's still, you know, a kid from Missouri, it still wouldn't have been something that I would have even thought of um, as, an, as a possibility at all. I think a lot of times kids don't even realize the possibility and just how attainable so many things actually are. Uh, but I was lucky enough, I had a couple of teachers who had, uh, and again, this is middle of nowhere in Missouri, but I had a couple of teachers who had kids who went to MIT. Um, I had another teacher who had, you know, was really, really kind of understood the whole college admissions process. Um, and so what wouldn't have been even possible really came about because of, you know, a few relationships in my life. We have similar paths to a degree. Yeah. And I would say the similarities is, uh, is not MIT. Okay. So I didn't go there. But the similarities is definitely a small town and uh, an uphill battle to get to where you're at today. Because that's my story. Like I grew up, uh, I don't often tell this on the changelog, mostly because Jared and I are together and we're kind of focused on the guests. But in this case, we're kind of sharing some stuff here. But yeah. I grew up in this small town in southwestern Pennsylvania called Maxwell. You don't, you probably can't even find it on the map. That's like, it just doesn't get there unless you zoom all the way in. You know, like that's when it matters is when you're all the way in uh, on the zoom. And I, you know, I, I grew up poor, grew up in a place where, you know, opportunities weren't handed out. It was very much a blue collar type area. Everyone around me was blue collar. And all I knew was blue collar. I never thought, ever thought that I would be where I'm at today. And it was only by people around my, around me you know, influencing me every step of the way. And those influences are all unique in their own right, but it was all those incremental influencers throughout my life that got me to where I'm at. And it seems somewhat similar to your story. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's true. I, th I think one of the, the real key things for me in my entire life is just the key, um, just the value of other people, and not just for the benefits you get, but for in and of themselves, intrinsically, for their own uniqueness and who they are. But, you know, Travis and I grew up with a third friend of ours, Ryan. Um, Ryan ended up going to MIT the year before I did. Um, you know, not a lot of kids from our high school really ever went anywhere uh, out of state for college. And so it was kind of a big deal that he blazed that path. And so um, Travis and I and Ryan grew up really good friends. And it's just it's just strange sometimes how life works out where you've got good people around you um, that just rub off and become such good uh, such good positive influences. And it's, you know, it's, it's especially strange when it happens for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, me, Travis and Ryan, we still, we still get together uh, on a pretty regular basis and still, and still see each other pretty often. That's very cool. So let's fast track a bit to, to Faunos. We're going to take a break here in probably a few minutes, but I want to tee up what, uh, what the core topic is here. Faunos and five is where you're at now. You get a Kickstarter out there. Uh, you scratch your own itch to get here, you know, what was it five six years ago that this was started how long ago did yeah i own i think i think it was i think it was march of maybe 2012 when we first released fun awesome okay so it's a bit four years you know and some change so it's this is a widely used project this is an open source project i'm not sure yet of the stability in terms of uh money or sustaining or employment i know you have Ford Awesome, which I thought was actually a ripoff. Now I find out that you're actually behind it. I had no idea that you were. So <laughs> yeah. we'll break that open as well. But <laughs> absolutely. 
help us understand what Fawn Awesome is. Give us the breakdown there, we'll, and then we'll kind of, from there, we'll go into our first break, but I'll, I'll lead you into that. But help me understand what Fawn Awesome is. Yeah, so Fawn Awesome is really uh, a set of icons that everybody needs for their website. Helps you to easily put uh, social media icons, maybe an up arrow or a home icon or a hamburger menu. Allows you to easily put that on your website and then style them the same way you would style with regular text. So Fawn Awesome is the same size, the same color, the same drop shadow of the text around it. So you already know how to change it and how to style it. And as a bit, as a, as a bit of a bonus, it's also vector-based. And so no matter how large you make those icons, uh, no matter if you're on Retina or not, um, they'll be perfect. This has come around, too, in an age where I think Retina was just becoming more and more popular around 2012. Yeah. It was certainly there, I think, like, I think version three, was it? Version four of the iPhone was Retina, first Retina. And then even then you had, like, the iPads that weren't Retina yet. They were still... I remember having a non-Retina iPad and being like, oh, I've got to have a Retina one because that thing is so clear to see. And, and that's where it really, really matters to have, like, vector, scalable, font-based, same size, those kinds of things for icon clarity on a website. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We got really lucky with the timing of a lot of what we were doing. Uh, Retina was a huge, huge thing. We obviously had nothing to do with Retina, uh, but we happened to have a product that was already sitting out there uh, that would meet those needs really, really well. Uh, so that wasn't on purpose. That was sort of like uh, by accident in a way. No, it was. It that one was. That was definitely not on purpose. And that was largely by accident. I mean, I think. I think part of it was that just the inherent superiority uh, of vectors in design, making it so easy to change it. That uh, Retina was just a was just a fallout of uh, a lot of the other advantages that packaging icons into a typeface gave you. So here you are now. You're on uh, Fun Awesome, by the way. If you're if you're still catching up, and as I kind of am as well, but uh, it's on GitHub. It's an open source project. You've got to date forty six thousand ish plus uh, <laughs> stars. You know, almost eight thousand forks. So people are forking this, making their own, submitting a pull request, things like that. There's lots of people watching this thing. Almost twelve hundred watchers. The question before we go into the break is why open source? Why was that the way for this? Because it's been open source since day one, right? Yeah, it's been open source just since day one. I, I think a big part of it is, you know, just, just kind of growing up with the mentality, you know, and, and learning as a designer um, and, as a, and, and as, you know, somewhat as a developer, uh, having benefited from open source so much. You know, I didn't see this as a, as a, you know, a business opportunity at all. That's actually not really, that's not really my background at all. Um, and so it just seemed obvious that this would be an open source thing. Um, and we were, you know, we were, we were doubly scratching our own itch here because, uh, we were using an early version of, you know, back then it was called Twitter bootstrap. Now it's just bootstrap, but, um, the icons that they were including at the time were all raster based. So you'd have to pick your, you know, the white color or the black color. Mm. Um, and then they didn't scale up and they were, you know, a little, little brittle to work with. They were, they were, you know, nice and a really, really small size, but, um, we decided for that first version to include every single icon uh that twitter bootstrap included um except for ours would be vector they would be the same color as everything around it and would be really easy to control and so you know between that and retina coming out uh we got really lucky um in terms of the timing of other products that happened to be out there uh for how you know for where fun awesome's uh success came from too that's definitely a good place to break them we'll come back uh and talk about that luck so to speak so let's break here we'll be right back 
Linode is our cloud server of choice. Get up and running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources and node location, SSD storage, 40 gigabit network, Intel E5 processors. Use the promo code changelog20 for a $20 credit, two months free. One of the fastest, most efficient SSD cloud servers is what we're building our new CMS on. We love Linode, we think you'll love them too. Again, use the code changelog20 for $20 credit. Head to linode.com slash changelog to get started. back from our break with Dave Gandy, creator of Fawn Awesome, and uh, it's open source, by the way, so you can go to fawnawesome.io, check that out. And the top is a link, which we haven't really talked about much yet, is uh, the announcement of Fawn Awesome 5, specifically the Kickstarter. It's a link to the Kickstarter, so we'll talk about that here in a bit, but Dave, before the break, you mentioned right place, right time, being lucky. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think that, um, I think in life, a lot of times, um, it's it's sort of obvious that in order to get somewhere that you want to go in life, that you've got to be persistent, you've got to work hard, um, and I think that that's I think that's something that our our community and you know the startup world in general is really really acutely tuned into that hard work. You're not going to get good results without hard work. Um, but I think the thing that the community uh, has a hard time with is this notion that maybe um, maybe that it's a combination of hard hard work and luck. It's not one or the other. But it's this strange mix of both, um, and I think that that's definitely true um, in my case. I mean, we've—it's—it's it's interesting. We've—we've—we've, we've, we've, you know, in trying to start a company um, out of really, you know, Fawn Awesome, we've—we've we've been through a lot of iterations and a lot of different things, and so it's, you know, it's really cool to see um, the Fawn Awesome Five Kickstarter doing really well. Um, but there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. But in terms of luck, um, there there's so many things that can't can't be attributed to your own hard work. And I think that it's a little bit disingenuous sometimes uh, to do so, but you've you got to have both. You've got to have, for, for the really disproportionately sized success, you're going to have hard work and you're going to have luck. Um, and you're not going to get nearly as much luck without a lot of hard work, but I think that they really, you know, they really go together. You know, when I think about this project, I think, you know, some of the things you just said there was you've had some iterations where you've. I'm not sure the exact words, but to a degree, trying to be successful or trying to, you know, turn it into not so much a business, but sustainability to some degree. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that equates to just simply making money or, or, or whatnot, but uh, we'll get to your Kickstarter here in a bit, but I just want to tee this up saying that cu- currently uh, you're nearly half a million dollars in backers when your original request was just simply $30,000. So let's not go into that yet, but. Just for the listeners, like if you haven't gone to the Kickstarter yet, half a million dollars. So what I want to talk about here is how this began as an open source project, how you, you wanted to give back because you had already gotten so much back from open source. Uh, you were in the right place at the right time. You called it luck. Uh, you talked about uh, Retina becoming a thing. You talked about Twitter bootstrap, not just called call bootstrap, the icon set there where they were rasterized. They weren't scalable like Fawn Awesome made available right place, right time, whatever. Let's talk about Fawn Awesome specifically, like uh, getting to the piece where what were some of the things that you tried to do that I guess made it to what it is now? Not so much now, but like, you know, with the Kickstarter, you're, you're trying to make money, you're turning it into a business of some, some sort of a, you know, a money-making product that is also open source and has open source roots. Give me some of the, you know, the fails, the successes, the, the bloody knuckles along the way. What were some of those things for you? 
So a, a couple of years ago, Travis and I were working together at a, at a different at a different place, and um, Fun Awesome those first two years had just continued to grow at a at a rate that wasn't really we couldn't really ignore anymore. Um, and so we started talking about you know maybe you know this is a way for us to continue to get get a work together. Um, I mean, for me, a lot of the motivation of starting a company is getting to work with uh, the best people on earth that I've ever met. And I don't just mean people professionally. I mean, like as human beings too. Um, and so I'm, I'm unbelievably proud of, uh, the team here that we've got at Fun Awesome of, uh, of Travis Chase, of Rob Dole and Brian Talbot. Um, we have a really, really just stellar and spectacular team. And I think for us, that's sort of the foundation of a lot of this is continuing to work with uh, great, spectacular, amazingly talented people. And the business is sort of a vehicle for that, truthfully. Um, and so some of the things that we've tried along the way, um, you know, we've got we've got what I think is a fantastic service called Fort Awesome. Um, if you actually look at the GitHub repo itself, uh, the organization is Fort Awesome uh, and the project is Font Awesome. Um, and that was that was always sort of a, a play there. Um, Fort Awesome, the name itself comes from an old, old episode of news radio. Funny little, very memorable scene there. Um, and so every place I had lived up until that point in life, I had just referred to as Fort Awesome. Um, I also ran across when I was living in Boston, I'd walk through uh, Harvard Yard on my way to the subway a lot of times. And uh, at one point, somebody had built this cardboard box fort in the middle of the winter and had spray painted Fort Awesome on it. And so I have this spectacular photo um, from that as well. It's actually hanging in our office. Hmm. Uh, on, on the wall right now. And it's out there on the internet somewhere. You can probably track it down. But so Fort Awesome is something, uh, Fort Awesome was always the original organization that produced Fawn Awesome. And uh, Rob was the one who came up with the idea of, well, instead of, you know, Fort Awesome, what if you called it Font Awesome? Um, so that's really where the, the name itself comes from. Um, so Fort Awesome, we uh, originally launched as a service called Fonticons. Basically, the big idea there is that uh, just like Helvetica is not the only typeface you need on the internet. It's great and it's spectacular, but it's not the only one you need. Maybe you need a different look, a different style, a different feel to it. Uh, and we feel the same way about icons as well. Uh, Fun Awesome is great, uh, but sometimes it's not the exact look that you need. Uh, and there are lots of lots of phenomenal, phenomenally talented icon designers out there. And so Fort Awesome is our attempt to bring a lot of those icon sets together into one place. And so uh, on the site, you can mix and match your perfect icon set from the styles that you are looking for. Uh, you can upload your own. Uh, you can actually serve typefaces and images from there as well now too. But that's, uh, you know, that's been actually our big focus uh, for the past several years uh, on building out Fort Awesome. So is, is Fort Awesome, let's just put it in quotes here, successful? I mean, I think it's uh, it's not bad. It's uh, it's not anything that's going to you know employ four of us uh, over the long term for the time being. Uh, but it's definitely enough to continue to invest into. Um, I still think that that's that's where the puck is going eventually. I think that Font Awesome. I, I love Font Awesome, but I think that um, I think sometimes the style isn't perfect for your website all the time. Um, and you might need something else. I also think that uh, performance is a huge, huge deal. Um, and just serving the individual icons that your site needs really helps out with performance. Um, and when every second of load time uh, cuts your conversion, whatever that conversion is, cuts it by 7%, um, that's a performance is really a lot more important than I think sometimes we, we, we prioritize it. So we're talking about failed successes, things that you've done along the way to 
iterate on essentially sustainability. What, uh, how do these two play together then? So if you got Ford Awesome, you got Fawn Awesome. Ford Awesome is the overarching org. It's the, is it the LLC or the, the company, so to speak, that it is. owns the copyright to Fawn Awesome? That's what that acts as? Yep, it is. And so I guess as products, how do they parallel one another? Yeah, so really Fawn Awesome and Fawn Awesome Pro uh, will be individual typefaces in that broader service. And so the way this is going to work is uh, for everybody who supports the Kickstarter, uh, if you're also a Ford Awesome customer or you become one, uh, you'll have that entire set automatically added to your library of icon sets so that you can use all of that to piece it together. You can also upload your own, uh, your own logos, your own individual sort of things that we, you know, that we may not have in the sets or that you want to be a little bit different. Going back to, uh, to open source, why, why do you think open source is the catalyst? Or do you think, do you think open source was a catalyst for this, as you said earlier, this popularity that you couldn't ignore anymore? Yeah, I mean, I mean, truthfully, if we had made Font Awesome commercial from the get-go, I mean, it was definitely an option to think about. If we'd made it commercial from the get-go, I think we would have just been spending a lot of time uh, trying to make money off of it, and it would have just been kind of a distraction. And so, I mean, I, you know, I, I completely attribute, you know, it's being open source to its broader success. But there's a lot that we don't have time to do on Font Awesome. There's a lot of great things that we want to add to it. Um, and so that's really where the Kickstarter came out of. Um, you know, Fawn Awesome right now is about 675 icons as of its last release, which was 4.7. Uh, and we actually released 4.7 the same day that we launched the Kickstarter uh, because we wanted to make it clear to the community that we were still that we're still very, very much focused on the open source and the free version of Fawn Awesome. Uh, that's where our roots are. That's never going to change. Um, that said, our repo has many, many thousands of open issues. Uh, on GitHub with icon requests. Uh, I, I attribute that to the reason that uh, we just got the numbers from GitHub that last year, uh, Font Awesome had more contributors than any other open source project, full stop. Mm. Um, we had more than anybody else. And I think that's because there's a real strong desire for so many different icons. But if you look at a lot of those requests, they're not necessarily something that a lot of people have, but it's a very strong need for a small set of people. Uh, and that's where we got this idea uh, for Font Awesome Pro. Uh, our stretch goals for every 25 grand that we raise, uh, we make another icon set. We make another icon pack, you know, based on a specific category. And for every one of those categories, we add 10 of those to Font Awesome Free, and then we'll add another 30 to Font Awesome Pro. Um, so this was really a way for us to completely blow out the sheer number of icons before we really knew, you know, how, how great that demand was going to be. Um, and so far, uh, we've got 21 additional icon packs funded, and that's 21 in addition to the six that we were already planning for Font Awesome Pro. Uh, so 27 total icon packs, around 40 icons a pop in there is uh, it's, it's a lot of icons. On the open source front, I'm kind of curious as part of this popularity, as part of this catalyst, since you agree with my term there. Absolutely. Because uh, that's what it seemed to me was like, you know, it had, had Font Awesome not been open source, it it wouldn't have become what I would personally consider as like this standard for icons on the web. Like maybe even in terms of how their implementation are, you know, being a font now, the new version offering SVG, uh, the accessibility things you've done, the, you know, over in, in 4.6, and then the way you implement those in CSS and ultimately support preprocessors like less or SAS or, you know, what have you. Um, I'm curious how the actual icons themselves the libraries got got supported and influenced by the open source community so i know you've got 
and I don't even know how you deal with this, but you've got 3,700 plus issues on your GitHub repository. So that's tons. You know, you got almost 6,000 closed, but what's been the community's impact towards new icons? How does that play? Yeah. So as a matter of fact, the community itself is primarily what drives the new icons that we make in every single version. Um, So we typically take a look at the most requested icons uh, and we'll uh, we'll just, you know, kind of go off the list. And so, you know, the last release we did, uh, there's a handshake icon that's been sitting there for far too long. Uh, I had actually tried to design it on three separate occasions, and it's just a really, really hard icon to design and make it readable at small sizes. But you know, that had about 300 upvotes and we hadn't gotten to it yet. Um, and so a lot of our issues that are really, really requested by a lot of people, you know, they may only have 100 upvotes and we don't have time to get to it. And another part of the problem that happens when you're completely led by the community is that you end up with sort of some patchy, some patchy support. And so you might have, uh, you know, one handshake icon that's not outlined, one that is. Um, you might not have, uh, you know, all of the, the right matching icons in a particular theme, uh, because if you're doing individual requested icons, you sometimes miss that holistic picture. So right now, you know, we're adding icons primarily based on what the community is asking for specifically. And so Fun Awesome 5 is going to give us a chance to go back and really consider um, the, the larger picture, specifically around these icon, these themed icon category packs. When you say patchy support, do you mean technical support for sure not, not not so much technical like i'm going to help you support technical support but more like technical in the font style or the icon style of technical meaning that the actual icon you implement may have slight variations from variation to variation basically absolutely and so for instance a lot of icons in font awesome uh, will have a solid version of the icon they'll have an outlined version They might or might not have a version with a circle behind that object or a square or an outlined square. And so sort of along the way, we were missing a few of them here and there because as we did them one off, we didn't consider, you know, the entire system of how these work. And so the new version, uh, you know, for every icon, we're going to have a solid version um, that's in Font Awesome Free. And then in Font Awesome Pro, there's going to be an outlined version. uh, And we just hit the stretch goal recently to develop a thin outline style as well for each one of those icons. Hmm. So there's there's really a lot that goes into uh, those different styles and having them all match and all be visually very cohesive so that when you put two very different icons next to each other, they still sort of feel like they go together. This seems like a very time intensive project. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was I was just looking at the numbers so far and you know, we're redesigning every single icon in Fun Awesome Free from scratch and all of the stretch goals that we've hit so far. We're looking at, um, you know, probably at least, it takes about us on average probably an hour to design every icon. And so we're looking at probably a total of 3,000 icons so far-ish. Uh, that's going to take a little while. Yeah. Mm. That's, it's very, very intensive. And the thin style, you know, uh, it's possible that we could just change the weight and not really redesign the icon at all. But in order to get pixel perfection and in order to really get it on retina as well every single one of those thin icons is going to be need to be redesigned it's just not a it's not just a variant of the regular outline it's going to be completely redesigned as well the reason why i ask about time intensivity is because with this many issues with this kind of community interaction with this kind of you know success built upon open source you know the the free time from so many people out there giving back to this project to its success getting to where it's at like 
that's a lot of time to, to do. And I'm thinking, how in the world, you know, if you don't find ways to sustain, which is something we, we always try to come back to, especially when you have a project like this that's, that's, uh, that really requires so much time, not just from you and some other core leaders, but some of the community as well, is like, how do you get to a point where you can actually like keep giving your time without feeling like you've been overburdened? Or where you're like, man, I, I've got, I got family, I've got friends, I've got life, I've got work, you know, how do you keep giving to this? And so I, I say that to probably get to hopefully what might be the, the next layer for this, which is Fun Awesome 5, the Kickstarter, and all the things you're doing to get to the point we're at now. Yeah, I mean, it is, it, it is a good bit of work. And um, there are a lot of people that have been really, really helpful along the way. You know, one time I noticed on GitHub um, that there was another guy out there that was just really nicely and politely responding to issues. He was, you know, letting them know sort of the expectations for we have for contributing guidelines. He's just being like a really, really awesome community member. And so we asked him, hey, do you want to do you want to take on a more official role? And so Jeremiah is uh, the guy that typically handles a lot of the day to day issues on uh, on the font awesome GitHub repo. And I tell you what, that guy is prolific and he is uh, unbelievably appreciated. So there there is a lot that's going to go into continuing to keep font awesome five, uh, continue to keep that free version updated and excellent. But a lot of it is, uh, you know, if we can, uh, you know, if we can figure out a way to eat, um, we can basically figure out a way to keep this alive and keep this growing. And so, you know, uh, that's exactly what the Kickstarter uh, was really sort of about was Fun Awesome has, you know, gotten some great success, but it looks like what people really want more of is more icons. Yeah. And, the, you know, we're just not going to be able to get to the 3000, you know, requested icons on there. Um, so maybe we can figure out a way where we can make that work. Maybe we can figure out a way to uh, where everybody can sort of get involved in this. And so as of today, we actually uh, the, the Kickstarter has just done so phenomenally so much better than we expected that we, you know, we had our original uh, early backer goals for the first week. Um, and we just opened those up to everybody for the rest of the Kickstarter campaign um, so that everybody can get on awesome pro for 20 bucks. Wow. I saw that. And I was like, that's really awesome to, to one, give the community a way to, to, because there's no one out there saying, Hey, I want to keep using fun. Awesome. Totally for free, Dave, keep working your butt off and the rest of the community can just keep doing what you're doing you know, with no way to, as you said, eat, uh, or no way that this is helping you eat, you know, keep racking up those issues, keep giving me this free stuff. No one wants to say that some, everyone out there who's ever used Fun Awesome to some degree wants to find some way to give you something to keep making this project awesome, uh, which is a, a great pun there for this, <laughs> but, um, so 20 bucks, now that you're talking about the Kickstarter, let's talk about that. So yeah, 20 bucks is the opening uh, I guess you call them goals. Is that what you call them? Pledges, goals. Yeah, on Kickstarter they call them pledges. And so the uh, the first pledge at the very top is for twenty bucks, and that gets you the early backer price for Fun Awesome Pro, which we extended to the rest of the Kickstarter. Um, that license for Pro uh, includes it's an individual license or a small business license that covers up to a hundred people at a company. That's so a we lot. tried to make something. Yeah. We we tried to make it really really flexible, honestly. Um, where it would be something that you know would be cheap enough that that everybody could use uh, and flexible enough in how it's used. I mean, trying to count based on the number of designers that are in your company or the number of the computers that it's installed on, I think that's kind of hard to keep track of. Um, so we we're trying something new that we haven't seen before that we're trying to uh, is a way just to keep it simple. 
but what what that license gives you is it gives you the uh, you know originally we were planning on having only a thousand more icons in Fun Awesome Pro uh, and full a full SVG framework, um, and so this really allows us you know we like I said we've got 21 stretch goal icon packs that have been reached. Um, that's going to be another you know seven eight hundred icons right there. Who knows how many it'll be before the end of it. Um, and we're going to keep that. We're going to keep that twenty-five every you know every twenty-five thousand dollars that's raised. There's another icon pack. Everybody gets that uh, gets that particular stretch goal. And we've got lots more stretch goals going on too. Wow. Um, so we've got a set of Duotone icons. This one's really really fun. Fun. I've been I've been itching to do this one technically for a while because um, you can do it with you can obviously do it with SVG, but you can also do it with icon fonts as well. So basically, for the top two hundred most popular uh, icons in Font Awesome, we've got data from tens of millions of websites. Um, so we actually know which icons people are using most. We're going to pick the top 200 of those uh, and we're going to separate that out into layers. We're going to have uh, one layer that's full opacity and one layer that's 50% so that uh, you basically can continue to get all of the ease of use of Font Awesome where it's the right color, um, but uh, the other layer is going to be you know, 50% opacity. So you get this awesome duotone sort of multicolor effect out of it. Yeah, like, kind of like a layered effect even. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's the first stretch goal. Then we're making um, I'm going to be writing about our process for how we make this icon set. So designing icons is kind of a is is, uh, is a meticulous business. Um, and so this uh, we're putting out an ebook. We're going to collect all of the blog posts that we put together for this uh, into an ebook and distribute that we're making design plugins for uh, Sketch, Illustrator and Photoshop. We uh, we actually uh, when we hit the three hundred thousand dollar goal, we decided to put uh, basic SVG support into Font Awesome 5 free so that um, we're giving back not just into the people who are supporting Pro, but to the whole community along the way as well. Um, so Font Awesome free will have all of those icons will be bare SVG files so that they're uh, you can use them in your sites if you want that way, or you can uh, use them a little bit more easily on the desktop. We're doing an icon subsetter where you've got a, a desktop tool that will allow you to select just the icons your site is using and will produce, we'll make those files for you. Wow. We also reached thin icon style as well. So we've hit, you know, so many stretch goals so far and we really wanted to pace these out so that everybody wins along the way. That's good. Well, let's, uh, we're getting close. I just realized we're close to our next break. I wanted to dive deep into Fun Awesome 5 and the Kickstarter, but we're gonna have to do that right after this break. So we got two more stretch goals you didn't mention there. So when we come back from that break, We'll go into the next two, which is iOS and Android support, and uh, this last one, which is Files and Pro CDN. We'll uh, we'll take this break real quick. We'll come back. We'll dive even further into the Kickstarter, Files and Five, and these two additional stretch goals we haven't covered yet. So we'll break back. Hey everyone, Adam Stukoviak here, editor in chief of Changelog, and I'm talking to a Rollbar customer. Rollbar puts errors in their place. Rollbar.com/changelog. Check them out. Get 90 days of the Bootstrap plan, totally for free. I had a conversation with Paul Bigger, the founder of Circle CI, and he talked deeply about how they use Rollbar and how important that tool is to their developers. Take a listen. CircleCI is a continuous integration and continuous delivery platform. Our customers are the developers in an organization. Developers rely on us heavily as part of their deployment workflow. So clearly, you know, you're you're like a part of the machine that should not break. Could not, should not break, right? If you break, you're one, losing trust, you're losing value, and ultimately you're not delivering your brand promise. Let's talk about the obvious question here, which is, you know, how do you use Rollbar? So not just how do you use Rollbar, but why use Rollbar? 
So I was talking about doing continuous delivery there, and, and one of the key parts of, about doing continuous delivery, you don't just have to test your software, but you have to constantly keep track of it. You're going to be doing deploys 10 times a day or 20 times a day, and you have to know that each deploy works, and the way to do that is is to have really good monitoring. And Rollbar is is literally the, the thing that you need to do that monitoring. You need to make sure that every time you deploy, you're going to get an alert if something goes wrong. And that's exactly what Rollbar does for, for Circle CI for our infrastructure. So let's assume anyone listen to this is someone who needs to use Rollbar. Someone needs to know about this tool, needs to know about this product, needs to know how it's changed how you do business because of it. I'd like them to know how important this tool is to you. And a better question might even be, could you have done what you're doing with CircleCI without Rollbar's help? We operate at serious scale. And literally the first thing we do when we create a new service is, is we install Rollbar in it. Like we, we need to have that visibility. Uh, and without that visibility, it would be impossible to run at the scale we do. And certainly with the number of people that we have. Like we're a relatively small team operating a major service. And without the visibility that Rollbar gives us into our exceptions, it just, it just wouldn't be possible. If there's people out there who ship code without Rollbar, I, I can only imagine the pain that they're going through. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate your time. So listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to rollbar.com slash changelog, sign up, get the bootstrap plan for free for 90 days. That's 300,000 errors tracked, totally for free. Give Rollbar a try today. Head over to rollbar.com slash changelog. back from the break with Dave. We're talking about Font Awesome 5 and specifically this uh, this Kickstarter. I mean, $30,000 as the initial goal. I don't know if you actually, if that was a, I'm about to ask you, was that a true real goal? Or did you really think you'd only do $30,000? Or is this, is this half a million dollars you're at it right now with 29 days to go? Is that a complete and utter surprise to you and the rest of the team? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I think we were hoping for more than 30000 um, but I mean, we were, we were going to make Font Awesome 5. You know, we, we asked no ourselves, what. what's the number that we're making it anyway? Um, and so re- really, we probably have made it anyway. But we wanted, we wanted a goal that would be, you know, sort of, sort of reasonable, um, that we'd be perfectly happy to, to do all this work, um, even if that's all that was meant. So that, that was really how we came up with that number. And so we took the tail end of that last break, talking about the different stretch goals. And I think what's interesting to just clearly mention in case it wasn't uh, clear enough mentioned by you is that each of these stretch goals are, you know, things that one help you have more money to make sure that you all have the time and employment to be able to do this stuff and, and all that good stuff. But it's also giving back to the open source project, which is, is super cool. Like each of these stretch goals listed on your Kickstarter campaign, they're not just self-fulfilling for you, for, you know, the people paying for them. They're also feeding back into the open source, open license version of this. Um, but getting back to the two stretch goals we didn't mention, which haven't been met yet, which the, the next one that's close to being met, you're like maybe $45,000 away from your next stretch goal, which is the iOS and Android support, which means that you're going to have iOS and Android, uh, with, you're going to be able to easily use Fontos and Pro in those two different applications or those two different platforms. Uh, and then you also have Font Awesome Pro CDM. What are these next two stretch goals? Yeah, so uh, these two stretch goals we've been talking about for a, a couple of days now. Um, we had 
originally the first set of stretch goals that we had made uh, were blown through in less than a day. And so we had to come up with a second set. Those have been completely passed through as well. Um, and so this is this is our third set. We've got a, a couple more up our sleeve here, but the, but the two here mm. uh, that we've got listed right now are iOS and Android support. Really, the, the idea behind this is that uh, we've got a lot of people who use Fawn Awesome uh, in mobile apps, and we wanted to make that just that much easier for them to use it. Um, and another piece of that is uh, when we meet that goal, we're going to open source uh, that same support for Fawn Awesome free as well. And so basically anybody making a mobile app will be able to use Fawn Awesome free completely easily, you know, and have not have to worry about anything. Um, but for those that pay for pro, you're going to get access to all those extra icons um, for making your next mobile app. And, and the um, next one. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say in the, in the CDN, I noticed that you're also a, uh, a user of Mac CDN. We love Mac CDN. I think they recently changed their brand to StackPath. Um, so I'm not sure how you're changing your mentions back to that, but we're huge fans of Fastly around here. Our podcast is served by Fastly. So quick mention of that. But uh, what is the CDN? What is this piece here? Yeah, so this really comes out of another project of ours. About four or five months ago, we launched uh, something that we called Font Awesome CDN. Uh, so it's completely free. Uh, and that bandwidth is all provided uh, for free by Mac CDN. They've been, Mac CDN has really been there for us, particularly from the very beginning. Um, and, you know, Justin Dorfman specifically was such a huge champion for developers. We love Justin right here. Such a good guy. He's such awesome. a good guy. Um, yeah, and another one of those guys that I just cannot speak highly enough of. So Fun Awesome CDN, uh, the notion of that really was uh, we wanted people to be able to do things like uh, update their version of Font Awesome uh, without having to push any code. Uh, so you give us your email address, we send you a unique code that you can put in your website. And if you ever want to change it later, you can come back in and update the version. You can turn on uh, something that we developed that we're really, really proud of uh, that we called auto accessibility. And you can control async. You can there's just you can actually do CSS or JavaScript. Uh, there's so many different things that you can do with that. And so Fun Awesome CDN completely free to everybody to use. Uh, and the, really, the idea there was uh, that's been such a helpful thing. A lot of people are, you know, so many people have signed up for that and are using it. Uh, actively that we wanted to do something very similar for Fawn Awesome Pro. Right now, you know, you can download the files, but then you'll have to serve them yourself, right. which for a lot of people is really isn't a problem. Uh, but that's not everybody who uses Fawn Awesome. So we wanted a solution that was just as easy to use as Fawn Awesome CDN was. And so you'll be able to, uh, if we reach that goal, uh, we're going to give everybody uh, access to a year of Fawn Awesome Pro CDN. Uh, so that they can easily serve up uh, their icons. And we're going to make it easy for them to just load the specific icon packs their site is using um, so that they can keep their pages uh, you know, small uh, and, and fast loading because we know how important that is. So this comes back to that icon subsetter where you can just choose the ones you're using and, and then obviously serve them not so much from your own disk, from your own server, but from the CDN that you're providing with uh, Fawn Awesome Pro CDN. Or is it... It says Fawn Awesome Pro CDN in the stretch goal. Is it, is it Fawn Awesome CDN or is it Fawn Awesome Pro CDN? It's, uh, it'll be the same underpinnings of the way that we're doing Fawn Awesome CDN, um, but it's specifically for serving up Pro. You know, since Pro is a commercial right. uh, icon set, we wanted to make it have a way of where it's really, really easy, sort of like you know, other commercial typefaces you know, might get served up with Typekit or a similar service. Right. So it says there we're giving all Pro backers a year of service. So those people that... Uh, back at that $20 level, that initial level, they're going to get this once you hit this stretch goal. So it's like that that first initial 
uh, pledge of 20 bucks keeps getting sweeter and sweeter as the amount goes up, you know, in terms of this Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, that was really the idea here. Uh, you know, we're, we, we're, we're engineers and we're designers in heart. And so uh, the success of this has been really such a fun thing for us to basically, you know, think about all of those problems that we know about and we hear about and have for ages. And now we've got a way to fund a lot of those solutions. Um, and so that's what's been really, really fun. Uh, Pronos and ProCDN, I'm particularly excited about. The Icon subsetter is really designed for our sort of our real tweakers, our developers there who really have a lot of time to be able to spend on performance. We wanted to do something a little less uh, granular with being able to load just the icon pack. So the subsetter, you can choose individual icons. On some pro CD, and you'll be able to pick the major icon packs. Um, so that even people who may not be able to handle you know, some command line tools very well uh, will still be able to keep their website pretty slim and speedy. Let's talk about this video. I mean, I, I don't know how you did it. I don't know if this was, I, I want to know the intentionality behind this thing because this video alone is reason enough to give you 20 bucks. I mean, I don't even care if I get fun. Awesome. Just, I'm, I'm so thankful for like the creativity behind this. I want to know the story. Like, cause, cause Kickstarter, like they lead with the video, right? If you don't have yep. a slamming video that tells your story in the most compelling way, and that varies by, you know, by project, then you may be just dead, dead in the water. It, but in my opinion, you absolutely grand slam this thing. Like this is by far the coolest, best video for Fawn Awesome. I didn't expect it. <laughs> I thought it was you as the main character for a bit because I see the pixelated Dave and I don't know you personally, so I haven't yeah. seen your face, so to speak, uh, besides the avatar you carry around. But I may have seen a picture of you, but I don't, I don't know, you know all your characteristics. I thought this was you. What is the story behind this video? Yeah, so, um, I mean, if, if you want to see me and you want to see just how bad a Kickstarter video is that I start in, uh, go look at our, our old project called Font Awesome Black Tie. It was a different looking icon set. Uh, they came in multiple weights. Uh, but that's me on that video. Um, it's me. You know, I've got I'm just dangerous enough with uh, with with a camera, with an SLR to be able to shoot a decent video. Um, and that's what it looks like when we do it. Um, so we learned pretty well last time that, oh, my goodness, this is not our wheelhouse. So we've, okay. we've got to have somebody else look at it. And, you know, I, I got to say, um, you know, we, we did Y Combinator last summer and that the community of folks uh, at, at Y Combinator have, are just so helpful and so spectacular. And so uh, another one of the Y Combinator startups called Video Pixie is a place where you can go and you basically, you know, give the details about your project. And then all of these professional, uh, you know, professional editors and writers uh, and, you know, people who shoot the video can uh, can basically bid on your project. And so, you know, with, with, with some help from Thomas there at Video Pixie, uh, we found a company called Knox Avenue. Um, and they're in Los Angeles, and they are just some of the most phenomenally talented uh, people you can ever expect. I mean, so, you know, we were originally looking at sandwich video. Uh, and sandwich video, uh, you, you'll, you'll see them out there for a lot of big name projects. I think Slack has a video made by Sandwich, uh, you know, there's some, and, and they produce absolutely amazing content. Yeah. Uh, but their prices these days start at a quarter of a million dollars because they're just really, really good. A lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. But you know what? If you've got it, they are spectacular. Um, so uh, honestly, Knox Avenue uh, is probably just as good, uh, but they're just not famous yet. They're just, you know, they're, they're a little younger. I don't know. I've, after watching the video, I would say not just as good. I would say as good for sure. I, I'm familiar <laughs> with the same video. I love them too. 
but I think that this video is is by far phenomenal. I mean, I just did a great job doing this for you. Thank you. I mean, we we had so much fun writing, you know, and, and being out there for the shoot. Um, it was it was great. So I, I you know, I, it was in Burbank, right? You said it was in California. They they yeah, this particular this particular bakery, which I don't even know how how they found this place. This is I could not imagine a better place to shoot this that's not a set that's an actual bakery wow there. okay um and it's just gorgeous naturally and it just works on camera so well um but yeah it's a it's a it's, it's called half baked and you know and they're they're in burbank and this place is just gorgeous um and so you know i went out there for the weekend doing the shoot and you know in typical low budget you know los angeles you know starving actor style uh the shoot started at 6 p.m and it went until 6 a.m uh you know and these people there they're used to it uh you know we there are probably 20 people all told between um between the actors the extras the you know the director of photography the you know the actual it was just there was just so many people and so much uh stuff going on and these guys are so talented and they're so good um and we had so much fun trying to put as much personality into that script as we could um, you know, we're we're huge nerds. Everybody at Fawn Awesome, we are huge nerds. Um, and we really enjoy just, you know, trying to put that in every little corner of everything that we do. Um, and the script in the and the in the video is just really kind of a, an example of that. I love how it opens up and it's like you can always add some, add more sprinkles. I mean, that's I mean, the opening alone was was enough. I mean, it, it was amazing. And now that you said uh half baked in Burbank, the the bakery there. I went ahead and scrolled back to uh, 106, roughly in the video, mm-hmm. where he's—I forget the guy's name on the outside. He's like, "You changed the recipe." He's like, "No, we didn't change the recipe." He's like this angry customer outside, and he says it again: "You changed the recipe." No, no, man, we didn't change the recipe. You know that, and he kind of gets sweet and he kind of calms down. But in that in that shot, you can see half, and then the B of baked, and you can kind of yep. see their logo in the in the window. So you can even see they they made a cameo of your know of of this that's pretty cool you know and and uh the guy who stars in the video rob michelson uh he ad-libbed so so many little bits and pieces in there that you know we didn't have originally in the script and he's just so funny um (laughs) and and you know that that part at the beginning the you know you can always add more sprinkles but that was him ad-libbing was that him oh man that's so good i made a note of that i was like i want to mention that you can always add more sprinkles yeah, we yeah, we yeah, Rob was just was absolutely spectacular. And my other favorite sort of secret star in the video uh, is a guy named Albert, who was just such fun to hang out with that whole that whole evening. Um, he's the baker. Uh, he's the guy at the very end sort of dancing in the background. Um, and, he you know, he shows up sort of throughout the video in random places. But he's he's my favorite sort of little, you know, secret hidden thing in there. He's he's spectacular, too. So I guess what, what I'm, maybe this isn't exactly pertinent to Fawn Awesome 5, but I think this is, just shows to your level of commitment and your attention to detail is the stellarness of this video. And while it may not be you and the Fawn Awesome team, particularly shooting the video, editing the film, you know, doing all the script writing, uh, that you had a phenomenal team that, to work for this and do, and do this with you, like, it's just so good. Like when I watched it for the first time, that's the first thing I said to the Change Low team. I was like, you know, because Justin was uh, coordinating this this call with you and helping us uh, meet up with you and help telling your story. And I went to the Kickstarter, of course. The first thing I did was watch the video because that's what you do. And I was just like, you got to check this out. The video is amazing. And we we have our own films piece to Change Log here called Change Log Films, of course. 
and we like do fun stuff. So we always love to see people get creative with film. <laughs> and so I was immediately like hooked. And I don't know anybody else out there who feels the same way I do. But if you go to the Kickstarter and you see this video, it's by far like I love how it says, you know, uh, talks about the staleness of uh, version four. So you're kind of like, again, negative self-talk, some, some self-deprecation there. And that was three years ago. Version four kind of got stale. How do they get stale? Well, this and that, and it kind of names all these different things. And it says, you know, all this fun stuff. I just, I think the video is awesome. I'm kind of rambling, but the video is awesome. I love it. Thanks. I think uh, the first time that uh, Travis saw an early cut of that video, and this is before, you know, a whole lot of work was even finished on it. He was nearly in tears. And when it was all done, when it was all done, he said, you know what? That video may be the best thing we ever do. Hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was, I thought that was at yeah. that point, I was like, all right, I think we're, I think we're, we're doing all right here at this point. So, I, you know, just, I got one more thing I want to mention with, or to talk about, uh, in depth, which shouldn't be at the tail end. And I'm sorry it is, but is the SVG framework you talked about. But yeah, before we go there, I want to ask you one thing on this front is the measure of the cost of the video. This is pre Kickstarter. So this is like initial investment, so to speak. Like this is you banking on having to do something capitalistic you know your own capital into it to get to the point where you can actually say hey world here we are here's our plan come support us was it scary to to make that choice i mean it was a little bit um you know we've taken uh we've taken a small amount of funding you know over the over the past few years and you know we we really are really conscious about trying to stretch that as far as possible um and this was a you know the video it was it was cheap for what we got uh, but it was, you know, there's was, there's was a good bit of money that went into that, and so yeah, it was definitely a, you know, a nerve-wracking thing to, you know, to put this much up, and you know, to for a, a company that we didn't know personally, you know, for for Knox Avenue to shoot, you know, shoot this for us and help us write it. Um, but I tell you what, like, you know, as soon as we uh, started working with them, it just became obvious Clear, that not yeah. only not only was this going to easily be worth our money, this was just going to be better than we could have ever hoped. Um, so. Yeah, I, th- I think we're we're yeah, we're, we're just we're just really, really happy with how things turned out. Real quick. What was their name again? So I can make a note of it for the show notes. Knox Avenue Films. Knox Avenue Films. So I'm just assuming that's K-N-O-X Avenue, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. Googling it now. Going to add it to the show yeah. notes before we move on to the next topic. Sweet. Knox, Knox Avenue. We've got you. Knox hyphen Avenue dot com. Cool. We're going to add that to the show notes. So if you want to call them to uh, work on your project, then now they're famous if they weren't already famous. So uh, sad that this is the last thing we're talking about, but the SVG framework, what, it, what is this? Uh, is it something that will be its own open source repo? What's, what's the story behind it? You mentioned eBooks and blog posts earlier and stuff like that, but what is this SVG framework that you're talking about? So the SVG framework, so the $300,000 stretch goal was to put basic SVG into Fawn Awesome Free. And so all those SVG files are going to be there. They're going to be, uh, you know, really easy to use individually. The framework, really the idea behind this framework is uh, there are some great advantages to SVG, but they're a little trickier to work with. Uh, You know, once you have it figured out, it's great and you've got a great system going. But for some people, it's a little more complicated than Fun Awesome is, which is you know dropping a single line of code in your website and you're good to go. Uh, so we wanted to take that same ease of use of Fun Awesome and bring it to SVG. So if you want SVG, if you want your icons to be the same color naturally as the text that's next to it, uh, there's some good stuff you can do. Um, but we also wanted to be able to do things like uh, size and drop shadow 
uh, and a lot of those uh, additional CSS features that you also get with icon fonts, we wanted to bring that same ease of use and that same power to SVG. So that's really our vision behind that SVG framework, which is a part of Pro and is for all, you know, all of the Pro backers. So is it something that needs its own repo or is it just simply a way of doing things? It's, there's going to be enough code behind it. In order to pull it off, we're going to need, you know, some bits of JavaScript. And so, you know, Rob, Robindal, our local JavaScript master, uh, is going to be doing, you know, a good, a good portion of that. It could have its own repo that's possible, but I think it'll just be a part of the, uh, the Font Awesome Pro repo. So all of our backers, something we didn't mention, is that for everybody who's a backer, we're going to have a private repo uh, where everybody can have access to the code and they can follow along in our development, our, you know, alpha, beta, pre-releases, all of that along the way. People can follow along. We'll be getting input from people on specific issues, uh, on you know which icon categories we're developing uh, all along the way. And so the code for that uh, is going to be in that same repo. And uh, earlier you mentioned that you've got a couple more things up your sleeve in terms of stretch goals. Maybe tease us. Can, can, you, can you share some stuff here with the listeners? What's, what's a stretch goal that isn't listed that may be listed? What's some ideas you have? Yeah, so one that's going to, and, and the reason that a lot of these aren't listed there yet is because, um, and that are a little bit higher dollar value on them is because they're going to take a lot of effort for us to do well. Uh, we don't typically like to do projects that we can't do just phenomenally well. And so one of those that I'm really excited about is uh, a community website. So it's basically a place where everybody who's a part of Font Awesome uh, can go and interact, uh, help us vote specifically on icons. We can use GitHub uh, to be able to do voting on icon, but it's not it's not the greatest interface. We also want to uh, make it easier for people to have access to the latest versions uh, and have a forum where people can help each other out. Uh, really a more dedicated place uh, that, you know, that we'll hang out at and that we'll answer questions on as well, uh, where the entire community can get together and help each other out. Mm. Now, and that sleeve you mentioned that uh, up your sleeve, what I think is interesting, it seems that all these stretch goals were born out of back to the open source piece of this, back to the community you mentioned is is sort of like deep in these roughly uh, eight or 9,000-ish issues between the closed and the open. So I'm assuming that most of what you're pulling out of this, uh, this hat you've got is, uh, is from what the community's already asked for. So this you know, four-ish years of history is, is playing to the future benefit of, of this Kickstarter and then also kind of playing to the stretch goals that you're, you're creating. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. We, uh, you know, we listen uh, to everything people say, positive or negative. Um, and we, you know, we internalize that. And that's, you're exactly right. That's where all of these stretch rules are coming out of. So aside from going to fawnawesome.io and clicking on the banner that shows up in the top for the Kickstarter and going to learn about that and uh, potentially becoming a, a pro backer at $20, you know, it's still open source, so you don't have to pay to play. What are some ways, you know, for Font Awesome collectively uh, as the open source piece, what are some ways the community can step in to help out? Like, what, I know you got so many issues, like where you mentioned Jeremiah earlier, how that person was, you know, playing a great role just naturally in issues and you kind of graduated to a, a role that was a bit more formalized, you know, things like that. Where can people listening to this that, that absolutely love Font Awesome, loved hearing this story of yours and just thinking, Dave, Travis, rest of the team, how can I step in and help out? What places can they go to, to do these things? Yeah, the, uh, the issues there, you know, the more that people help out, the more that they kind of know the community and help out there naturally, that is absolutely so unbelievably helpful. Um, you know, Jeremiah does so much work on that, and we'd, we'd love to be able to give him a little bit of help out there. Um, you know, there are 
I think there are some other places too. There are stack overflow issues that we never get to if people want to start helping out with those. Um, there's really just so many places of people asking for help on Fun Awesome. We just don't have time to get to that. Those are those are, those are really really helpful for us. And you know, and, and some of it might be helpful uh, to get the word out about the Kickstarter. The more that we uh, are able to do with the Kickstarter, the more that we're able to put back into Fun Awesome Free and into Fun Awesome Pro. Um, you know, and that's that's a huge thing for for us. Um, there are places also where companies can get involved helping out. Uh, one of our rewards that we've got on here is uh, folks can get their company logo added into Fun Awesome Free and to Fun Awesome Pro. Um, so there are there are really kind of ways for everybody at a lot of different levels to get involved, where it can all give back to the community. I think it's interesting that uh, your logo in Fun Awesome Free and Pro because it's it's a form of marketing. It's a form of support, so it's a form of donation. So you, you kind of give a little, you get a little. So much as a, so to speak, as a company. So like, let's say there's a very large company out there, 50 million users, uh, using Fun Awesome either as a base for for the icons they're creating, or just straight up using Fun Awesome. You know, this is a way for them to to honor the open source piece of this, your time, Travis's time, and the rest of the team's time. Uh, making this possible and also the community's time, you know, triaging these issues, supporting the community, helping out, being helpful, writing documentation, caring about accessibility, which is something we didn't get to talk about, which you've only got two minutes left, so we can't, but uh, we could if you really wanted to. But uh, it's in there. Know. Check out auto accessibility and check out all the accessibility to be changed, changes we made in 4.6. We're really, really proud of those. Yeah, that's in, uh, in uh, version 4.6, you did that. So, I mean, this is a way for those companies to to go to the Kickstarter and say, hey, you know what, you know, I'd like to get a little and give a little. That's that's really awesome. That's uh, I like that. I guess yeah, we got two minutes. Well, tell me more about the accessibility. I know that this is really important for icons in general because when we uh, redid changelog.com recently, one of the things uh, that we ran into with with some of the things we had done, we had done some branding around like what we call sub brands, so to speak. So podcasts, films, news, things like that. When we um, when we roll that out into the design, we had some issues where, well, it's, it's an icon. It doesn't say what it is. So can you talk a bit about the, uh, give me kind of the high-level overview of, of accessibility and what it means to you for Fawn Awesome, but specifically how you implement it in 4.6? Yeah, and, and let me first shout out, like, the reason that 4.6 was able to have such great accessibility improvements is another place that the community got involved. We had so many folks who know so much more about that world than we do. Um, and we, you know, we, we kind of through the issues, we're able to get so much feedback on them that we're really, really happy with where it came. But, uh, you know, the big thing on icons is, are they of semantic value or are they just decorative? Yeah. If they're just decorative, all you got to do is throw an aria hidden equals true tag on the icon and you're good to go. Uh, if they are semantic, um, there's there's some extra stuff you need to do. And we added some more support for that. Uh, if you're using Font Awesome CDN, we have a feature called auto accessibility. Um, that all you need to do on the icon, if it does have semantic value, is throw a title on it. So if this represents, you know, hours left or time of day or whatever, you throw title equals time of day, um, and then the screen reader will see that. Um, so we tried to, we really tried to make it as simple as possible. I think a lot of the times that people, the reason people don't get accessibility right, you know, like me, the reason is because they just don't know. And there's so many things to know about it. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unbelievably important to do well, but sometimes it doesn't pop the priority stack for folks. And that's why we wanted to invest as much as we could 
to make it as easy as possible so that your icons and your site are accessible to everybody. That's awesome. We all need that. We all care about uh, accessibility. And I think it's awesome that you made it a priority to, to implement it in 4.6. And then also the uh, different, there's a stretch goal too that adds to it. You said there's a, a new font pack coming around accessibility. Is that right? Or there was one in 4.6, but there's more added. Yeah, that was another piece of 4.6. So now that we've got, we've actually got a full set of accessibility specific icons uh, to represent, you know, a, a full gamut um, of uh, of what's needed there. So definitely check those out. And we, you know, an, that was another thing that we got a lot of feedback from the community on to make sure we were doing it right. Very cool. Well, I know I got to ask you a lot of stuff uh, about your history, about Fun Awesome's history, about where this is going, the Kickstarter the video and everything in between, but uh, I may have missed something. So if I missed something, this is your chance to share it. What, 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 if I haven't asked you, what would you like to share with the community before we tell this show? You know, I, I think so much of just a complete and total satisfaction in life comes from the people that you surround yourself with. Um, and so I cannot thank enough um, the team that we've got at Fort Awesome for Travis Chase, Rob Madol, Brian Talbot, um, and those guys are just spectacular. I mean, I, I again, I so you know, I cannot speak highly enough about those guys as well. Um, and I am so, so. Uh, I mean, lucky is not exactly the right word, um, but to be working with those guys, they are absolutely spectacular. I would put our team of four uh, up against any in the world to ship and deliver usable software on time. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. That is very awesome. And I, th- I think the best way to close this might might be just to simply say you can always add more sprinkles, right? Always. Always add more sprinkles. Well, Dave, it was a pleasure to, to meet you, have this time to chat with you, talk through um, this big piece of your life, this awesome open source project, the next phase of it, Fun Awesome 5, the Kickstarter. And I still can't believe, uh, I'm going to go back to the tab real quick here before we tail off, is you're right now, because the, the interface is live updating, is $456,000 as of the recording. So we're recording this on November 1st, uh, mid-afternoon roughly. You got 29 days to go. We're going to put the link to this Kickstarter in the show notes. If you're just listening now and you don't feel like going to the show notes, go to fawnawesome.io. There's a banner at the top, whether you're on mobile or desktop. You'll see that. Click that. Go to the, the, the Kickstarter. Watch the video first because you have to. Uh, but but keep in mind also the, the goal that you're at. I mean, I think it's just phenomenal to see this kind of support and uh, just to see this kind of success for this project for you and then what it's going to actually do for the community so congrats to you and the team but uh, that is it for this show here so i want to say thanks to all the listeners tuning in you know you're awesome we love you uh justin dorfman dude you're awesome thank you for the hug at all things open thank you for connecting us to dave and this story and helping us uh connect with him and share this story because we think that uh, more people need to hear your kind of story, Dave. What do you think? I mean, you got a pretty awesome story, right? I, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate so? hearing that. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think your story is awesome. Every, I think the truth is that everybody's got a story inside. That's true. And that's kind of the, the, that's us in a nutshell. We believe that everybody out there has a story to tell in open source. And uh, developer, designer, imposter not an imposter you know self-deprecating negative self-talk whatever you do dude you're awesome and i thank you for all you've done here and listeners we also thank you for uh for tuning in but dave that is it for this show man so let's say goodbye thanks for having me on the change log i feel uh i'm I'm just really really humbled to be in such good company i really appreciate it the feeling is mutual dave thank you all right have a good one